Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Plastics Podcast, a show where three American wankers try their best to figure out what EA Sports' new soccer video game is going to be called and whether Ray Hudson can voice. Please. You're joined by Rico Henry fan, Maddie Gaylor. Yellow. A man who's missing Game 7 of the Hindenburg that is the Celtics-Bucks series, Blair Lacrosse. Down with Boston. (laughs) And an emotionally drained Jacob Burke. Hello. Drama, intrigue, never as it seems, the Premier League continues tugging at the hearts and minds of fans around the world. The North London Derby ends in catastrophe for Arsenal fans. Chelsea-Liverpool are like two Midwesterners, both holding open a door. West Ham-Manchester City has aged me five years in a matter of 90 minutes, and Everton refused to do themselves any favors in a game that can only be described as not ideal. This, final predictions for the penultimate episode of the Premier League season, more transfer rumors abounding, the NBA playoffs heating up, and summertime in the city with your favorite soccer podcast in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. <laughs> Welcome back to the Plastics Podcast. It's already too hot to fish. <laughs> it's sweaty in the studio. Did you see the sweat like dripping off my face when we were recording yesterday? Yes. I kept touching my face. Yeah, uh, because there was just literally beads of sweat just running down. I want to get this for the recording. Ooh, that's um, feeling fresh and funky today. It's a seltzer, not a hard seltzer, just a regular <laughs> seltzer, guys. Don't worry, Jacob. Your intros, uh, they they get more and more. Uh, they just get more every week. You're really stepping up your game with these intros every week. I think the intros reflect the amount of interesting things that happened during the week and my goodness this week was chock full of them i think we don't have enough time to get to where we want to go today because there's so many things to talk about eventually the intro is just going to be jacob reading the first page of ulysses (laughs) (laughs) or just like a novel in general yeah yeah yeah. i don't know if i could do ulysses because isn't there like famously no punctuation in that at all like you don't know where to pause it's just like run on sentence after run on sentence after run on sentence. It might be. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not literate. So <laughs> everything looks like a run on sentence to me. Blair lacrosse famously the biggest reader in the house. Not, not a no. literate. <laughs> I just hold the book open for a long time and then I know the cadence to switch pages. That makes so much more sense. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. I just take my tote bag, put one book in it. Yeah. And that's it. Go to the park open it and think, God, I look cool. Yeah. The New Yorker tote bag <laughs> that you walk around with. And then, yeah, you've, you're carrying a, a, the latest and greatest um, book from famed author, Dan Brown. Famed author, John Grisham. John Grisham. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're not, a, we're not here to talk about that. Let's do a brief, uh, brief catch up. How was everyone's week? How are we doing? Yeah. I had a, you know, the week went, went, came and went. So we can just move on from it forever. <laughs> well, we're going to have to dive into one part of that. We're week. doing like a Paul Pot year zero reset, but just for the for the week this week from uh, from yeah May, May 8th to the 15th. It just didn't exist. Didn't happen. <laughs> so sorry, we skipped my mom's birthday and my niece's birthday this year, but 
Um, oh no! It had to happen. Oh yeah. no! Uh, happy birthday, mom! Yeah. In, in happy birthday! Uh, can I call her Kim? Yeah, I'm sure she's fine with Kimberly. That. Does yeah. your niece listen to this podcast? Yeah, she's a huge soccer fan. Amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the For- minute she learns English, who her first word was Penaldo. <laughs> <laughs> Maddie, how was your week? My week was very surprisingly very very good. Okay. <laughs> Surprising. Surprisingly. I was nervous that's, about starting a full-time job. Bucking that's the trend fair. of yeah. bad weeks. <laughs> I no, like I, I had been, I've been freelance for two years. I've had so much freedom and to have to go into an office every day, I was very nervous. The first week in the office is always like you're walking on eggshells. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel differently. I feel like my first week in the office, I'm at uh state fair. State fair? Are you? you I don't like dogs? state fairs. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah you're yeah. eating an elephant ear. You know because they BB always guns. they always smell like a state fair. You know that smell of like fresh churned up earth that's wet. Uh-huh. Maybe a bit of horse manure somewhere Animal in the mix. Dung. Mysteriously, yeah. even if there's no horses, always smelled yeah. like yeah. Oh, some fried foods. You literally knew when they were putting down fertilizer at the farms because, like, 15 miles away, the air was <laughs> blowing right. into town yeah. and it just yeah. smelled like shit. Uh, <laughs> A long time ago, uh, when I was a different person, there was I was at on a mission trip, and uh, <laughs> this was in this was in the heartland. <laughs> this was in Omaha, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Oh my! And we were doing basically work for people whose houses had been dilapidated, and so we were fixing them up. But where we were staying, there was a it was in it was in Omaha, which is kind of. A, the, a big city for Nebraska, but the place <laughs> just taking shots at Nebraska. <laughs> no, no, I mean, it's like, a, I don't, I don't mean that as an insult. The it's metropolis. Just for you Nebraskans. didn't have to drive through Nebraska, dude. That is, there's nothing there. I've driven through there before. You have? Mm-hmm. Then you yeah, know. Yeah, you yeah. Then you corn. know. Yeah, corn, corn for days. Yeah. The Nebraska, uh, Illinois, Indiana, they all are the same thing. Illinois, west of Chicago. I'll even yeah. say Southern Michigan. Iowa. It's all the same thing. Yeah. You know. I'm not, I'm, I'm taking shots at myself here too. But the point is, is that we were uh, sleeping in a gymnasium, but this gymnasium was located and I kid you not directly next to a factory that produced spam, (laughs) the canned meat that didn't, doesn't expire. And you could smell that for miles. Uh, Yeah. I would not. One of the most unique and unenjoyable scents I've ever had the fortune to come across anyway we're not here to talk about spam we're here to talk about essential things things that are necessary for you to enjoy and that is to start off blair wait don't say it (laughs) jacob my mom was born in omaha nebraska to take it all the way back wait really yeah (laughs) wait your mom's in nebraska she was born actually in the spam factory she was she yeah she was of the spam (laughs) children of the spam so she did she immediately go to Michigan? Yeah. Okay. They like, just they had to get her out. She, <laughs> my dad was born in Kentucky. Really? Yeah. Okay. At Churchill Downs? Yep. Nice. Yep, right on the track. Yeah. Part horse. <laughs> All right. I've always taken pride in my horse heritage. Yeah. <laughs> speaking okay. of derbies. Yeah, speaking of derbies, uh Blair, we can just get this one out of the way. We ha- I I only have the narrative written down here because we're getting into it. Uh, the North London Derby. North London, the uh, place for clashes and clanging and Tottenham and Arsenaling. Yeah. Tottenham 3, Arsenal 0. Mm-hmm. Uh, derby that has been ramping up in excitement all yeah. season long. 
Arsenal stay in London, but as visitors needing a draw or a win to secure their top four position. Tottenham, just behind on the table, need a win if they are to secure any hopes of Champions League soccer next season. Son in red-hot form, and Arsenal on a four-game win streak set the stage for an interesting match. That's one way of putting it. Blair, let's just put all the cards on the table. You, You walked out. I feel no shame about this. Sometimes you just, it's not your day and you just don't have to take part anymore. You know, that's what Rob Holding decided. He said, (laughs) he said, I, this isn't going to go well for me. So I'm done playing soccer. Yeah. And the the referee, I don't even remember who it was. Was it Tierney? Was it, I don't know, whoever, one of these guys, he obliged. He said, yes, go ahead. You got it. My son, take, take your rest. And he did. So, yeah, I mean, it was just a horrible start to the game, but it's about as bad as it could have gone. And, you know, it was kind of like such a big, like, whoopee cushion release of air fart noise from up across the pond that was like building up into something that could have been like a really nice, like a really great match. And it just instantly like destroyed by mental lapses and these sorts of things. So yeah, really, really bad. And once you're down a man and you've given up a penalty goal, like, yeah, I mean, I kind of know how this is going to go. So (laughs) I stuck it out until we were down two nil. And then I just said, I'm I'm out. Sorry. (laughs) And I I kind of like, I think the fans and the players just kind of need to forget that this ever happened. This was a 37 game week season. Let's yeah. Let's, let's, let's back up because the, the run up to the game, I think was some of the most intense feelings both sets uh-huh. of fans were having for for a while because of what was at stake here. Yeah. Tottenham want fourth place. Arsenal currently have it, but you guys have been trading on and off several times throughout the season. Yeah. And both teams are in this state of ramping up again as they try to contend for European soccer. And they are just now kind of blossoming through a transitionary phase, one with Antonio Conte and his transfer demands for Tottenham, another with Mikel Arteta trying to develop a new wave of Arsenal culture. Mm -hmm. And now everything's on the table. Oh, yeah. But let's go to the first goal at the 22nd minute. Kane converts a penalty now i saw the replay of the penalty and i i'll just let you put your feelings about it on the table right now if i speak i'm in trouble i I mean like i i don't want to be the arsenal fan that complains about refereeing rob holding committed two yellow card offenses and got sent off like i you can have philosophical discussions about how these games should be refereed they're very high intensity very emotional matches and with one that had such tremendous stakes on the line i would have preferred not to have had the two biggest refereeing interventions that the game has to offer take place against my team but i can't really argue with it because like yeah like the door was opened for those choices to be made and that's down to the players i I don't know people were saying it was a soft penalty i've watched it a few times i'm kind of back and forth on it i i don't know i i think it was just it was just a, a bad moment and got compounded by worse decisions from there. So yeah, I I'll say though, to remove your hesitation about the biasness, I think it was incredibly soft. I don't know. Suarez could have done anything differently there. Yeah. 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 I I don't know, man. It's just like your, your brain is just trying to not say anything (laughs) that you'll regret. I think. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. So Rob holding is starting for Arsenal. Obviously Ben white out injured. Yeah. Is there a universe where Arteta could have played a back three? Certainly. 
certainly successfully a lot of a lot of the fans were kind of wondering if he would do this or at least kind of do this thing where he can kind of start with a sort of modular defense because Tomiyasu has the option of switching out wide to be you know play as in the fullback position on the right or tucking inside and playing as more of a center back in like a back a traditional back three and then you could have had like Saka play as a wing back or something like this and I think that would have been the wise choice in this situation I would not have been upset if we like showed up to Hotspur Stadium and just played the most negative cynical game plan you could possibly imagine because we only needed to get one point and get out of there but you know we 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 decided to play them and like that's fine but yeah just the the defense that we've had so many injuries back there and you know we've gotten performances out of players we've needed them but in a game like this where it's just like so charged up Tottenham are a really fearsome counter-attacking team and i think that kind of plays into some of our weaknesses, especially right now. I think it probably would have been wise to kind of park the bus and see if we could have hit them on the counter, but that's not how it went. What can you do? All right, one last question about Arsenal here. Can Jaka play center back? <laughs> he plays he plays play left back for us. And he he does this thing or he has done this thing in the past. He's sort of moved away from it this year, but where he'll he'll drop into the back line with the with the two center backs and they'll form the three if you know our two fullbacks are getting further up the pitch. But we're doing that less recently. Shaka's been playing higher up on the left side. Can Shaka play center back? No, Tomiyasu is my if if, if Gabriel's injury, which by the way is like kind of disastrous if he has a, a real hamstring injury for the last two games of the season. If that's the case, Tomiyasu is probably the left center back. Who An odd thing about him is he's a fullback, but the second most games played for Bologna before we bought him was at the left center back position. He's played in that position for Japan, so like he knows how to play that position. He's a pretty big guy, and I think just a technically sound defender. So like having him there... I'm not like super concerned, but I would much rather have him and Gabrielle on the team. Right, right. Obviously. So. Well, I won't twist the knife any further. Yeah. I will ask you about Hyunmin Song. Uh-huh. Because we can't not talk about it at this point <laughs> on an absolute tear of a season, I think. Most, a second most non-penalty goals, I believe. Either that or He's on like most. 22 now, isn't he? I believe Salah is on 22 and Son's on 20. <sighs> I mean, what a player. I think... At this point, it's necessary to ask if Son ends up winning the golden boot at this rate. Salah has reached this strange standstill ever since uh, I've, everyone has noted this AFCON. Yeah. So do you think Son can pull out a pinnacle season for Tottenham? Most of the goals he's had has come from his dominant, non-dominant left foot. So I just looked at it. Son has 21 goals and 7 assists. And Salah has 22 goals and 13 assists. So, yeah, it's very tight. Look, Tottenham just beat Burnley, who were the best remaining defense they have to play this season. The Norwich game could be pretty ugly for uh, the Canaries. And <laughs> yeah. if, a, if a, you know, a team's going to run up some goals, you know, Tottenham, I think, can do it against them. And so, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be too surprised to see Son get a brace in that game. Just kind of set up nicely for him. But who's the uh, last remaining game for Liverpool after Wolves? Wolves. Mm. We can get into that. Have we got an update on Salah's injury? Nope. Nothing immediate yet. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it could happen, man. It could it happen. Could, it, it could be a shared golden boot. I think maybe. it's maybe we're if you're if we're comparing the momentum by the media of these two teams so far, I think Tottenham might be on top now that Kane has secured his stay at Tottenham via Erling Holland. 
to <laughs> Manchester City. But that is neither here nor there. Blair, we can move on to something that nobody wants to talk about. The FA Cup final. Uh, Chelsea, zero. Liverpool, zero in regulation time. Zero, zero in extra time going to penalties. The first FA Cup final under Jurgen Klopp meets Chelsea's last chance at a trophy this season in London. Who will win? The favorite squad in England, according to some critics out there. Or Tuchel's <laughs> turbulent team. Spoiler alert, it was Liverpool. Yeah. Is there a cheering sound effect we can put in? <laughs> Yay. Woo! Okay. <laughs> Apparently, everyone in England is a Liverpool supporter. Guys, welcome to the club. Glad to have you here. I, I, I guess you're default Liverpool fans. So We're not in England. Liverpudlians. Liver, Liverpudlians. It's like Michiganders, just worse. Yeah, it's way worse. Actually, I kind of like Michigander. Mm -hmm. Take a gander on over to Michigan. That's pure Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> I've been getting Michigan commercials on my uh, podcasts recently, which is very strange. I went back and watched four or five of the Pure Michigan commercials on YouTube, I think last weekend, and they're just so good. As someone who is has a is a native of Michigan and you know love this loves the state, but they're so good. Great, good state, one of the best, top ten state, top, for sure. top five even. Uh, okay, but let's talk about it. I'll, I'll read off a first half observation I made. Liverpool starts off hot with runs behind Chelsea's backline, spear pointed by Luis Diaz. Tuchel makes adjustments throughout the game and is able to better nullify these runs, forcing Liverpool to rely more on in-the-box crossing. On the other end, Chelsea subsists on a few good counters, relying on taking on the fullbacks out of position and creating a numbers advantage on the other end. I think overall in the first half and in the second half, but Christian Pulisic had the most chances. And ergo, he fucked up the most chances <laughs> throughout the game. Uh, and I think there were several moments in the first half also with Diaz and no, I think it was just Diaz. It was Diaz who, yeah. who was just making these runs in on the left with long balls coming in. Chelsea's back line couldn't deal with it. And Diaz could have probably put away one chance at least there. They didn't. Uh, Salah was taken off in the first half at risk of injury, not wanting to aggravate it. I assume Klopp made the decision to make the front three of Diaz Mane and Yota, and we went for it. And I think I speak for most of everyone that watched this game that we could have just skipped it to penalties. I think everyone kind of knew this was coming, even though nobody wanted it to. <laughs> uh, there is a stat floating out there somewhere 58 shots over the Carabao Cup and FA Cup final. No goals. Yeah. All, all pens. No goals, all pens. Headline. Absolute barn burners. Yeah, it's really felt like after about 60 minutes of play, that both teams were just really tired. It looked like a really tired performance, for sure. That extra time was horrendous. Yeah. I I think that can just, just if that happens, you know, if there's ever a situation, just go straight to penalties. I think it's better for everyone, including the TV ratings. Yeah. They were talking about how many games each of these teams has played. Yep. Liverpool has played 60, and Chelsea, has, this was their 61st. That is an insane amount of games for one team or two teams to play. It's no wonder they were fucking exhausted. They're probably just tired of seeing each other, you know? I, I'm tired of seeing Chelsea. <laughs> I'm, I'm over it. 
Yeah. I never want to hear them again. It was a really hot start, though, for Liverpool. I mean, they looked like they were going to get a goal. They could have gotten a couple. I mean, they had some really big chances to start out. Luis Diaz was causing all kinds of trouble down that left side. And, you know, they were kind of remarking in the commentary that Reese James sort of started dropping back deeper and getting forward less after that kind of opening 15 minutes of you know, trouble caused by Diaz, which seemed to have a bit of a stabilizing effect on Chelsea as a whole because they really struggled to get a foothold in this game, for sure. In the second half, Chelsea starts off better. Yes. And tries to go for the kill early on in the second. Liverpool hangs on and grows into the second half slowly with chances. The game overall is a mirror over two halves. Extra time now in the works uh, for both. Nothing happens. Spoiler alert. Uh <laughs> Yeah, so I think the the biggest thing to note from this game is, as a player, I think Pulisic was their deadliest, but also their least clinical. He just couldn't put it away. Reese James, I, I don't know what else to say other than he can play everywhere defensively. However, defensively, the best player was Trent Alexander-Arnold. He shut so many plays opportunities down for Chelsea that I think he probably deservedly wins the man of the match award there. Lukaku, perhaps one of his last games for Chelsea. <laughs> On loan to Brentford next year. Big, big moves. Yeah. <laughs> no, just kidding. But yeah, I don't, it could be. I, I do think though, Pulisic, like you want to talk about how, how clinical he was. And basically I think clinical is, did you score the goal or did you not? You yeah. know, that's kind of how we view these things. But if you look at how close he came on a few of those yeah. shots, they rolled just past the outside of the post on both sides of the, of the net. I think he he's, was he's, inches away from a brace. <laughs> he's great at the positioning to get into that space for that second for the look. But yeah. he's just he's missing the one the necessary thing an offensive player needs is yes. the ability to put it beyond the keeper. Now, Allison is no slouch. So, yeah, let's let's not totally and obviously this is a christian Pulisic propaganda podcast so we can't just totally diss him so i I think we need to blame it on the universe um in that chelsea and liverpool aren't meant to ever decide in regulation mason mountain was a bit quieter on the day too do you think that was a a tactical choice from from liverpool to keep him more preoccupied with defenders or yeah mount and Pulisic occupied for most of the game the twin 10 position that tuchel employs so they have to both drop back, receive passes, and then play up to Lukaku, ideally, who is doing his best, I guess. I think he was caught out in no man's land a lot, so I don't think we can truly blame him for not being able to get by three guys by himself. But Mount and Pulisic, obviously, trying... They, they keep switching up sides of the field. Mount is the clear, superior playmaker, the, the guy that will put in the ball for the goal or maybe take it himself. But I think the efforts of Alexander-Arnold here really shut it down. I think the obviously the penalty he missed that decided the game ultimately <laughs> will hang in his head for a while, especially considering the Euro finals. So <laughs> it is a tiring stadium for Chelsea fans to be at Wembley. Three straight FA Cup losses <laughs> in a row, a loss for uh, some Chelsea players in the European Championship. It's tough. It's tough to be a Chelsea fan these days. A lot of blue days for the Blues. And they had every advantage in the PK shootout. They were in their end with their fans behind them. They shot first. They blew their load. Don't shoot until you see the whites in their eyes. Romelu Lukaku. 
his touch looks completely gone. Isn't it? Isn't it weird? But the, he's playing that he was doing the same thing in the in the in the beginning stages of his Chelsea stint. I mean, he would box out mm-hmm. like he. Ju- I remember watching the Arsenal game, yeah. and he was just. He manhandled Pablo Mari. Yeah. 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 He ended his career. He just, yes. He manhandled Pablo Mari the same way. He would just box out, take the touch sideways, and sprint off. And I think maybe once defenders got a hold of that, oh, that's his play. We'll yeah. just not get right up to him. Don't defend him so yeah. close. Yeah. And then all of his threat was gone. Yeah. And now, and he didn't do himself any favors by being a little bit whiny about it, but <laughs> that's, that's the whole game. And but obviously. Sorry, but his like his shooting, his passing, it's just like bricks, you know. Like the, the, it just looks bad. Like it's so overpowered. Yeah. It's just so imprecise. Like he just looks like he's just lost that whatever it was. The the mojo is gone. I don't know. I don't know what what can you say at this point. What's there to say? Chelsea will look to probably reformat some things this summer with the new owner, which we'll get to. Antonio Rudiger gone. Christensen. Or is it Espilicueta? Espilicueta is going to Barca, I think. He's going to Barca. Christensen was rumored to be going to Barca. I think Mark Salonzo's out. It's all going down. It's going down. Can we, uh, I mean, is, is there anything to talk about with the choice to not go with Kepa for the, the Yeah, PKs? I mean, okay, let's just briefly talk about it with uh, the PK shootout. So it went like this. Life's like this. Uh-huh. It's like uh-huh. that, y'all. You fall and you crawl and you break. So the the so uh, the choice the sub was so weird. They sub on yes, they sub on Ruben Loftus Cheek <laughs> in extra time. I think twelve minutes later, Tuchel takes Ruben Loftus Cheek out and puts Ross Barkley on in the dying minutes of extra time. The confidence blow that <laughs> that must deal a player is astronomical. He came on in the 106th minute and came off in the 119th minute. You see minute. that maybe once or twice a season I, and I, never in a final. People on Twitter were saying that Tuchel brought him on so he could get some photos for Instagram. <laughs> I don't I don't necessarily understand it because if you're if you're subbing a player on and you're in that kind of situation, you have to also take into account if this goes extra time, I need a PK shooter if that's the case. Yeah, right? for sure. So, and I mean, it's not like Chelsea are devoid of talent. Timo Werner, not put on. I think that was the big thing that people were saying was that if you do this the way you did it, you put on Timo Werner as another forward option and as another penalty option. Uh, we had Marcus Alonso, Aspilicueta, Reese James, Ross Barkley, and Jorginho as the front five. All but Cesar Aspilicueta converts. Aspi hits the post. So... Uh, none of none of Allison's efforts really mattered, I suppose. So obviously Ross Barkley, if he missed, I think that would have just he would have died. Uh, his <laughs> career would have taken a spiral because that that's the kind of thing you just don't recover from if you're subbed on as a penalty specialist. Sadio Mane is unable to convert at the dying last penalty. And between this game today and the game, this game yesterday, I just, I can't take it anymore, man. I just can't. <laughs> Mane facing down Mendy in the two Senegalese players. Yes, compatriots. A little bit poetic. Uh, he doesn't convert. Hakim Ziyech looking nervous as hell on the touchline converts. <laughs> uh, Diego Jota converts. Mason Mount. You say the, the penalty is saved by Allison Becker and Costas Simikas converts and he uh, he strikes himself into the records of uh, liver pudlian legends do you think with this is a competition where you get five substitutes 
And obviously going in extra time, like you're going to use all those. But do you think with the rule change uh, on the horizon of switching to five subs that we'll see more of these like weird kind of galaxy brain choices from coaches that they, they then quickly try to re- like rectify when they realize it's not working? Or is I this don't, just like... I don't know. I, I Maybe because I think, well, obviously the more agency you give to a coach, yeah. the more weird moves they're going to make. We, yeah. we, like three, we, have, we have three subs. You have to really pick and choose because you can't, you can't make another one. Yeah, exactly. And so maybe five, it's it's good, but you'll see this more, obviously. I don't know. I don't... So here's the thing. Hypothetically, and this question goes to both of you, if you have a player that you sub on in extra time and you see them on the field and they're just doing awful, a la Ruben Loftus-Cheek, do you take him off? Is it worth it? Or do you take off, or do you take off another player? Because he's fresh. He hasn't played 90 yeah. minutes. I've, Is his fitness better than his performance? I would take off another player, especially, especially if you are going to go into a PK shootout. I think having fresher legs, not tired and beaten down legs from playing 120, 130 minutes, you would want somebody newer on the field, whereas you've, got, you've already got his legs on the field. And if it's going to PKs anyways, because it's Liverpool and Chelsea... You want somebody with fresh legs to take the shot. Mm. Okay. That's, I mean, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I think for me, it's like if I can change the formation so that I can get Loftus-Cheek back into a position. Like if he brought on, if Tuchel brought on Werner for somebody in the midfield, let's say, and then moved Loftus-Cheek back into that position, Werner up to the top where he would have been playing, like maybe that would make more sense to do just because yeah, like having fresh legs on would have yeah been you know a nice bolster. But like you like you don't want to like blow it before you even get to peak penalties, right? Like if you think Loftus Cheek's presence is like so negative that like you're just not even going to be able to get to penalties because you'll concede. You're just playing so poorly. Then yeah, like I guess you take that player off and you just try to stop the bleeding. But you probably could have done something to you know get Loftus cheek into a better position on the field. <sighs> yeah. I, it also depends on who is a better PK shooter. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's that's true. That's something that we genuinely don't know. Yeah, so, how many how many PKs has Obviously, you don't see what happens in Lofty practice. cheeks. Yeah. Taken. And like we know Werner like he scored a ton of penalty goals and Yeah, yeah why like, wouldn't you keep both of them on? Take off Mount. This is not his stadium. Yeah. yeah. He does not perform well here under pressure. I think Tuchel does seem like that kind of coach that does get in his head with the tactical choices because second he, guesses himself. He's been well. He's been heralded as like, I mean, remember when he came to the league with uh, with Chelsea? Oh, he's a tactical chameleon. He'll switch <laughs> strategies depending on what team he's playing, as if coaches don't already do that. Yeah, yeah. So it, I don't know. I, I don't think, know. I think he probably feels a lot of pressure to coaching against another German manager of like well, oh. like well-renowned German manager dealing dealing with the squad room that Chelsea constantly has it doesn't matter what sort of play, player assemblage they have it's just always it's Chelsea yeah yeah i wonder if fans just get used to the chaos after a while you know probably like the lukaku instagram posts <laughs> yeah it's it's something else anyway liverpool achieved the hipsters domestic double uh big ups to us congratulations everyone uh you too you two also Liverpool fans, uh, but the the domestic trouble is back on transitioning uh, West Ham to Manchester City 
Two, George Costanza, every time I feel that I'm out, they reel me back in. Uh, I don't know. Take it away, Blair. Jacob. Manchester City looking to retain their tenuous lead on Liverpool for the Premier League title. While West Ham looked to bounce back after getting knocked out of the Europe League quarterfinals, so we see a draw at London Stadium. Looked like a beautiful day in London Stadium. I always have a good time watching games there. They seem yeah, like they have a good time in London Stadium. It's a good Stadium. time. Great time. Had by everyone. Yeah. Do you think the, the presence of the Liverpudlians in the city of London somehow threw off the, the vibes that... Pep Guardiola was trying to. Yep. Bring yeah. Let's him. let's make this all about Liverpool. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yes. They were standing around some boiling cauldron after they won the FA Cup. Maybe they even dropped the cup into the cauldron. They I, sacrificed it for no, the no, title. No. Here's the here's the thing, Blair. Here's what you don't know. Jurgen Klopp was in a zeppelin that was <laughs> piloting around the stadium, and he was aiming negative frequency rays okay. at the players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Injecting it into their chakras and making them <laughs> perform their vibrations terribly. Were, yeah, they're they're <laughs> yeah. They're all he gonna all, have to get yeah. realigned after this game. Mm-hmm. And obviously, only today he had a handlebar mustache. Yeah, yeah. It's like Havana syndrome for soccer players. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I don't know, man. This was crazy. Jared Bowen. What do you? I, I don't know, man. I don't know anymore. I I'd let go. I yeah. was I was over it. I want to say for the record. We had a discussion yesterday about this upcoming game. And I asked Jacob, I you don't think West Ham has got it I in him? And he, he positively said, absolutely not. You can't. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I thought, understand why. I know? get it. But I thought West Ham would have the better chance out of the Wolves or, the, or, or West Ham. <laughs> you had a lot more confidence in Wolves. I did. Than West Ham. Wolves had the best keeper in the league. So... By shot metrics. Lucas yeah. Fabianski's. No, no. <laughs> but here, no, no. but here we are. Here we are. Let's go through it because we have to talk about this now. Jared Bowen scores twice in the first half off of some great movement and some total defensive lapses oh, from yeah. Manchester City's back line. Fernandinho's an old, old man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. And I mean, could you? That second goal. What a finish. Yeah, he still nice. had so much work to do with that shot. Yeah. Oh my god. Both of them were really nice. Honestly. Yeah. 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 And uh, um, uh, Antonio and Fornals with the assists, but all the credit goes to Bowen here for making making the two shots and putting West Ham unexpectedly up after a lot of pressure from Manchester City, who thought they could simply see this one out with a one o two o win and maybe see the league done and dusted, but now. Here we are. Uh, I mean, the second half, I, I don't know. I, I guess that's kind of an afterthought. I didn't think that West Ham would actually see out. the. I thought Manchester City was going to come back. They were like, they came out thundering back in the second half. Yeah, it was like, whew. The announcer was like, oh, Pep gave him a short but sweet conversation. And I was thinking, anything but sweet. Yeah. That man was fuming quietly fuming on the sidelines. He probably gave like the most passive aggressive Pep talk you could have imagined. Get your shit together, Wait, or like, you're all that, done. Was that on purpose? Pep talk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just thought of it like you were saying Pep at halftime, and I was like, oh, his name's literally Pep. Like, it's <laughs> like what do you? The Pep Talk Masterclass. <laughs> I loved this plan from West Ham, though. I really wish they would have tried it against Tottenham, but they they committed two men forward basically the entire game. It was just Bowen and Mikel Antonio, just doing is whatever they could, and 
like they nine times out of 10, 99 times out of a hundred, it didn't work like, cause they were just surrounded by defenders. But like the two times it did work, Bowen scores. It's like those memes you see on Twitter with like the, the sad guy, he's crying. He's like, ah, oh, my tactics aren't working. Yeah. But then it's like the bearded guy going, ha ha, Jared Bowen, go burr. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the, the alpha in the chat or the chat in the beta or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, no, that's like really what it was though. And like when, when it wouldn't work, typically when you like commit forward to attack, you're kind of, your structure is kind of out of the line in, in defensively and those weaknesses get exploited by good teams. But West Ham just always had eight guys behind the ball, like eight defenders, you yeah, know, at least. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, it was just Mikhail Antonio. I think the Bowen only guy back. that was only ever for the entire time was Mikhail Antonio. Yeah, exactly. And so like, they never really lost their defensive solidity and it, it you know, city created their chances. Like they're going to, but like, yeah, West Ham just looked quite a bit more comfortable in that first half. Say also, so Jack really scores the first goal. I had my back to the TV. I didn't see it. It was a pretty nice goal, but he he volleyed it and it bounced through Dawson's legs. I want to say, and yeah, popped out the other side. And Fabianski just like it hit the ground, bounced over Fabianski's hands, and he just basically didn't see it coming. It's pretty unlucky. And then. Yeah, the second goal. The second goal, incredibly unlucky for West Ham. Riyad Mahrez whips a shot in. It goes off of Kufal's head. Chufal? Sufal? Sufal. Sufal. Sufal's. Sufal's. The new drama. Sorry. Um, uh, Mahrez whips the ball in and a shot. Sufal goes off of Sufal's head, and it just goes perfectly top left, I think. It's a great header. Yeah. Fantastic finish from Sioux Fall. Uh, <laughs> very, very, very unlucky and for West Ham. Uh, it's 2-2. And then later on in the game, I think there's a miscommunication between Fernandinho and Ederson. And the ball goes... All, basically, there's a moment where it's just the ball behind Ederson. It's open space. Antonio's sprinting. I, I can't remember one of the center backs covers Antonio nicely. And they're unable to convert. But that was just a moment that showed Manchester City's lapse in judgment in uh, game time moments. And then there was the chip that Antonio was unable to convert after another miscommunication from the defense. This came at a lot of errors on Manchester City's back line. I think they tied this game despite themselves. Yeah, I mean, Fernandinho on that back pass, he looked like he had just completely sort of lost his composure in that moment and was just like, I'm going to pass it backwards no matter what. He telegraphed it. Like, he, he, he looked nervous. And looked like he sort of quickly assessed his options and just decided he was going to pass it backwards. Didn't wait it well at all and let Antonio run onto it. And then Ederson was in this really weird spot because he had started charging out of the of the goal to try to, to meet the ball and then realized he was not going to beat Antonio to get there. And so he's standing way off of his line, kind of in the corner of the box, like trying to close off the shooting angles. And Antonio just completely whiffs on it. Like, it's probably not as easy as it looked, but damn, like that was a big I, moment. I, I think if it wasn't even between the posts. You know, yeah. it was to the side. Yeah. It was too high. It was just all, all, all wrong. wrong. I, I mean, and that I'm just, I was speaking from a place of frustration because I, I wanted that. For sure. I, I needed it. Yeah. And lastly, certainly, certainly not least, Riyad Mahrez fails to convert an 86 minute penalty. Yeah. Bad penalty, man. It was not good. The whole game, I was like, just like kind of drooling, like watching Mahrez's first touch is like, whew. That boy, he's got the he's probably got the best first touch in the league. I'm gonna say it. Wow. Oh, Luis Diaz is up there too, though. He's he's also pretty spicy with it. But hey, Mars got that dog in him. <laughs> but that pen was not good, man. Nope. Nope. He hit it Sliced in the it. exact wrong spot. 
you can't hit it middle height. That's perfect, where the keeper's hands are. Perfect diving height. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you guys make of Man City not making a single substitution? Really? I didn't even realize. <laughs> I'm assuming Pep thought the system was working and he didn't trust... He didn't trust he doesn't, his his main man, Phil Foden, Raheem Sterling, yeah, Ilkay I mean, Gundogan. Like, those are... If, he, if your defense is making those kinds of mistakes three or four times during I a think, match... I think oof. they said Ake was on the bench, but he had an injured... He had an injured ankle. Yes, so that wasn't good. And a lot of these guys are youth. Cole Palmer is a youth guy, so it's... it's I, I They just don't have a lot of options. I, I don't know... I mean, the three I mentioned, though, are huge options for them. Yeah, I think Diaz might have been the one to sub, but I don't know where he is at the moment. Ruben Diaz? Yes. Oh, he's out. He's got he's got some muscle injury. I think he's done. Okay. Yeah, and Kyle Walker's done. John Stones is done. Yeah, so it's it's all... They're limping in. They're limping into the last two games. One game? I don't know. One game. Here's the thing. Liverpool's got two games left. Manchester City's got one game left. We're... Approaching dangerous fan fiction territory the here. Event horizon. In that if Liverpool managed to win both of their games against Southampton and against Wolves, it is up to one, Steven Gerrard, coach for Aston Villa, and one, Philip Coutinho <laughs> for Liverpool. And I don't think that it could get any more cheesy than it already is. <laughs> A lot of the writing for the last few seasons of Earth events has been pretty on the nose. So, yeah. My take on the substitutes thing is that, really, by and large, the second half for City was pretty dominant. And, like, they were creating a ton of chances that looked pretty good for the most part. They, at the end, sort of started to result, resort to high crosses that really had no hope. But I think they looked a lot better and more composed attacking in the second half. Yeah, maybe he was just kind of like looking at it and saying, this group seems like they've kind of got the the pace now and the tempo and, you know, they look like they're going to be able to create enough to get the goal. And, I mean, to be fair, Mars converts from the penalty spot and we're not questioning, you know, Yeah, all this is a not. totally different conversation. But that is an interesting choice. I mean, you do have three really good attacking players in, in Foden, Sterling, and Gundogan on, on the bench. That is an interesting choice. Pep, I assume, is just confident enough that the guys he has are obviously good enough to get past 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 uh, West Ham's low block. But, you know, yeah. here we are! I think you guys can steer the conversation on this one, mostly because my laptop just ran out of power. Brentford Everton. <laughs> oh boy! All right. <laughs> it was just see an, an unfortunate series of events for Everton, who started off the game really strong. They came into it fighting off relegation, and and then got a red card pretty quickly into the game, kind of setting the tone. But that didn't stop them from, I think uh, we use the the word kitchen sink mentality. Throwing that, everything they have yeah. into an attack. Yeah, yeah. It's, so, uh, final score, Brentford 3, Everton 2 at Goodison Park. Tough finish uh, to the game for Everton, who saw two men sent off with straight red cards, <laughs> which means that their seasons are done. So, Jared Branthwaite and uh, Solomon Rondon 
Congratulations, you are on the beach, fellas. You earned it. Just really, really poor from from both of them. But Everton, yeah, like you said, Maddie start out really brightly. Dominic Calvert-Lewin scores a kind of ghost goal that sort of grazed his jersey, I guess, and counts for him. But yeah, in the 10th minute, things are looking good. They start out with some energy. Richarlison's, you know, getting in behind. And what a then, frustrating player to play against. Yeah, I, and, you know, through large parts of this game, I'm thinking... If Everton do manage to stay up, it really does feel like these last decisive weeks have come down to performances from Pickford and Richarlison as the two sort of saviors of the season for for Everton. And they just couldn't do it in this match uh, because of mental lapses that, I mean, you it's really hard to overcome. I think the Branthwaite red card is just a huge, huge blow. They don't have a lot of defenders. Yeah. And it's straight red. So, I mean, three-game suspension, that's that's done. Season yep. done. Yep. Does that carry over to next season? Do they not get to start that first game? I think it does carry over. It does carry over. Okay. Yes. Yeah. That's an interesting Even point. if they switch teams? I'm going to say yes. I, I don't see why it wouldn't. Um, I don't know if they switch leagues, if it'll carry over. What if they switch existential planes? Yeah. <laughs> it's an out. <laughs> Yeah, it's a crazy, crazy blow, not because of the loss, but because of the two. They're, they're missing two guys now, two st- two staff members gone. Yeah. <laughs> I think we talked about the, the Chelsea match and how that performance really came down to them just gutting it out and, and playing hard, right? But uh, And I think after that, I was kind of riding the high of the emotions of that game and just kind of feeling like if they can just r- ride this this wave, they can maybe get it over the line. But I think today is a textbook example of the pitfalls of playing hard but not smart. And yeah, Branthwaite and Rondon both just kind of lost their heads in key moments. You think they carried that mentality over from the previous game where they just played as hard as they could have and that grinded out a result if i'm lampard i'm like definitely trying to tap into that well as much as i can for the rest of the season because they need like the the boost you know like in the fast and furious they need to hit hit nitrous yeah fast run hot for a few games i think lampard strikes me as a guy that tries to get the passion out of players as opposed to trying to get players to play a certain style yeah and i don't know if that's whatever to need long term but that's definitely what they need right now yes Yes. And like, you know, they were showing the scenes before the game. You know, the Everton fans are definitely up for it. You know, there's flares and the, the crowd's excited. They get off to this great start and then it just unravels so quickly. And I think it just, it, this game is just really representative of like the very high highs and low lows that this Everton team has, you know, faced throughout the entirety of the season. That being said, they led most of this game. Yeah. yeah they went I mean, up 1-0. Brentford tied it. They went up 2-1 from a PK. And then that scoreline held for a really long time. Was it a deserved PK, though? Was it? I think he flopped. I I think it was the, the PK that was given was pretty soft. But if you look at the moment right before Branthwaite's red card where Richarlison's in the box, and he's very obviously getting his jersey tugged. I've seen that given as a penalty before, and they didn't yeah. even give it a second look. Mm. Yeah. That was a big moment for Everton. So maybe it was a makeup call. I, I don't know. But Okay. Well, next time. <laughs> but I mean, after after Brentford tied it two two, there was nothing Everton could do. They Brentford looked hot. They were passing really well. The only person that really struggled this game for Brentford was subbed out in the forty sixth minute. Yeah, Maddie, Back, did, I had never heard of him. Did you want to take a your allotted segment this episode? <laughs> you know what? I didn't actually think he was like fantastic this game. 
Hmm. Okay. I, I, I didn't see him Cut as... Cut the camera. Cut the camera. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see him as much, like, turning up as much as other games that's not to say he isn't the most inspiring person on the pitch for <laughs> brentford he makes everybody else play better soccer christian erickson is who we're talking about yeah christian erickson uh brentford legend yeah i think he makes everybody on brentford kind of step up their game Default president of Denmark. <laughs> Internationale <laughs> superstar. I Tough. thought he was good. I thought he popped this game. He did. I, he had I a think, couple of passes. I was like, Whew. He created five <laughs> chances in the game. He had yeah. 0.5 XA. I don't mean to just start throwing numbers, but like I I think like those kind of match up with what I saw, which is like a bunch of beautiful, like big forward just sweeping cross field passes that I mean if he didn't complete them, they were certainly testing the bounds of, of Everton's defense for sure. He, oh, yeah. He looked great, I thought. And and every single, like, long ball he gives, every cross he gives, every corner he gives, free shot is a dangerous play for the team. I He's... Every, <laughs> every he has you take, incredible every accuracy. Make, I'll be watching you. <laughs> And he makes the players play better. He just, the announcers even said it. Yeah. Like no, he joins the team and they don't lose for like five weeks. The only team they lost to was Man U, which is. Yeah. Meh. yeah. <laughs> Let's. Is, I, I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> I have demounted. Because the I think this game is a nice transition into. Can I give him more shout out? Yes. Rico Henry looked great. Oh my God. Yeah. He looks so good on the wing. Yes. He is so fast. His ball control is just insane. I said this during the game. He was breaking down that wing, creating so many opportunities. He looked so good, and I'm so glad he got a goal. He's another guy that you have to say the full name of. Yeah, of Rico course. Henry. Rico Henry. It just yeah. fits well together. Henry just sounds too normal for a guy like Rico Henry. I, I kind of wanted to put a bit of a spin on it. Because he was so good this game. He's like, Rico Henry. <laughs> <laughs> but I did. So, because he's English, I think. Is he English? I don't want uh, to. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, Rico. Yeah, he looked good, though. I mean, that, that side, I mean, we, we said, you know, got the goal off of uh, some unfortunate. He is English. Play, but. Rico Henry. He's 24. Dang. Well, okay. Thanks. Market value, 16 million. <laughs> I just know it by looking at it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's use this as a nice transition to talk about end of season predictions. Okay. And since we're on Everton, let's talk about this last last bout of relegation battle. Because by the time we record and release the next episode, the Premier League season will have concluded. Wow. And everything will be done. Our first, our inaugural season. So I want to take this next segment to just quick offer our last predictions. There's there's still things that are in the air. So I want to talk about who's getting relegated. Blair, who's getting relegated? <sighs> I, I know, I think you have two in the bag here. I mean, it's between Burnley and Leeds in my opinion. Okay. It was like, uh, in like, oh, wow, shocking. It, what, what, a strong opinion, Blair. But like, 
yeah, I mean, I think it's just really going to come down to, to those two. Leeds play uh, Brentford coming up, which will be tricky for sure. And Burnley have Aston Villa. Um, they have two matches left, to be fair, to Burnley. So uh, more points on the more more points on the table for Burnley. But yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think I think Marsh's boys are going to get the job done. Burnley's going down. Burnley's going down. Yeah. Burnley's going down. Burnley's going down. Interesting. I'm going with Leeds. Okay. Leeds have one game left, mm-hmm. and it's Brentford. Yes. I. I think. Leeds will take a point. Wow. At least from Brentford. At least? I don't... Brentford have nothing left. They don't have anything left. They have... This is their first season. They have... And they're safe. They're pride. Yeah. Who cares? You can beat Leeds. They don't. That's what I'm saying. They cared today. I... I think Everton kind of cared more than Brentford, and that kind of is what happened. Yeah, I think it was part of the problem was that Everton cared too much. Yeah. <laughs> My biggest weakness, I cared too much. <laughs> no, I think Leeds will manage a win, okay? Wow. At Brentford Community Stadium. At Brentford, you think Leeds is winning? Yes. I think Burnley, over two games, they play Aston Villa and they play uh, Newcastle. Mm-hmm. I don't think they'll beat Newcastle. I think they'll beat Aston Villa. I think Everton's going down <laughs> because they have to play Crystal Palace, who I still rate, uh-huh. and then they play Arsenal. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> At uh, the Emirates. So I think that's a guaranteed loss. And I don't, think you, that- <laughs> don't do this. Not like that. Um, no, no, I, I, I mean that because I, I genuinely can't see Everton beating Arsenal, and I can't see Everton beating Crystal Palace either. So I think Everton's going down. I know they have the advantage on points right now, but I, I think that won't last. I think Leeds have that one last gasp left in the bag to pull out a win because they have to. Yeah. Because there's this is it. This is it. There's nothing left. It's do or die for them. And I think if it's do or die for them, they got to do it. Brentford have two games left. I think they're safe. Okay, so Brentford, let's, Burnley. Let's sorry. let's do this. Leeds. I'm gonna. I'm, I'll give you this. Leeds tie Brentford. Everton lose both of their games. Leeds is still going down on goal differential. They have negative 38 goals. Is that bad? It's they're worse than Everton on goal. Negative 20 for Everton. Yeah. It's no. That bad. It's that bad. <sighs> it's that bad. Okay, I mean, like, yeah, I th- I think the odds are stacked in against Leeds, I should say, and that they are by the maths the most likely to go down. But I think Everton don't have. They got two red cards. They're missing two guys. Big tough. That's really tough. Yeah, yeah. They're also in sixteenth. Yeah, yeah, by a point. They got two games left against two sizable teams. They're done. They're washed. They're two-ply. <laughs> two-ply is good, man. I like two-ply. <laughs> they have to Quilter. count on Leeds and Burnley to do well, and they're all in the same boat. Yeah, no, I know. Oh. We'll know, and we will I know. I think you're just hoping Everton goes I down. I am. I think your heart would be so happy if ever Everton went down. Yeah, the, the league needs a refresh. <laughs> you you just want Richarlison out. I want Everton gone, okay, for a season. Because they'll come back up. They'll be fine. 
but I, you know, just give them, give them a nice breather down under and they'll be fine. Uh, anything, I mean, uh, okay. Let's, uh, I said, I say top, top seven because seven is definitely in flux right now. Mm-hmm. There is nothing to get from anywhere below seven. So like wolves or Lester or Brighton can't hop back and grab seven. So it's between some two teams, I should say Manchester United and West Ham in, for the Europa Conference League, and then Arsenal and Tottenham fight over four, maybe even Chelsea, and then obviously Liverpool and Man City for this uh, season. So, what do you guys think? I'm sorry, I'm just so tired. Uh, what do you guys think? I, I'd love a um, a brief overview of one through seven. Okay, so I the situation as it currently exists for first place. I feel like I can't say Manchester City are going to be overtaken. The four-point cushion and the seven goals difference is like, it just feels like I can't say that they'll get overtaken. But they could. I don't know. I'm going to keep City at first. I think they'll probably get it done. Okay. But like the narrative, Jacob, mm, it is really setting up for something. It. Just commit. So okay. juicy. Just commit to something. It's, yeah. It's going to be City that wins it probably. Though. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to I'm going to say City and Liverpool keep their their top two. Nobody's catching second place, obviously. So I think those that those positions will remain the same. I don't think anybody's catching Chelsea. Despite themselves, they don't really look like they care very much, but I think they'll be fine. They got Leicester and they got Watford. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, I think think they'll be okay. They'll keep their third place perch. Tottenham and Arsenal. Well, isn't that spicy, folks? Interesting how the narrative gods have set this one up, isn't it? Hmm. (laughs) Who do we point our finger at? (laughs) Tottenham playing Norwich. And you know what? It's spring. The birds are chirping. The canaries are in full flutter. Maybe they. Maybe it'll be like Hitchcock's the birds in the final game week for, for the Spurs. Okay, but no, I I think that'll probably be where Sun racks up his goal tally for the Golden Boot race. That seems like three points, which would put them on seventy one, thus leaving Arsenal needing the full six points from Newcastle and Everton. And I'm shook. I think tomorrow is the league final for us against Newcastle and this is one of the probably shakiest times in the season for us so fantastic timing on that as well Arsenal are going to finish fourth because I can't say otherwise fair enough I think you would have to string me up to a cross and pierce my side with a with the pike if I were to say otherwise as an Arsenal fan so sorry that is evocative <laughs> <laughs> imagery <laughs> Mel Gibson's... Is this because Gabriel <laughs> Jesus is linked? Yes, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> and Yori Tillmans. Okay. Yeah. Don't forget about Tillmans. Sorry. Oh, yeah. And like those moves probably don't happen if we don't get Champions League. So okay. a lot riding on the line. So Arsenal got, fourth, Tottenham fifth. Okay. Manchester United have Crystal Palace. West Ham have Brighton. That's tough. There's a two-point gap between those two. I feel like I see a couple of draws there. So I think I'm just going to keep that order. I'm going to keep the current tables order as of recording on 3.05 p.m. on May 15th. City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal jumping over top of Spurs. Spurs in fifth, United, Manchester United, that is, in sixth, and West Ham in seventh. I'm gonna what a well-reasoned that. take. Boo. Your turn, Natty. <laughs> Mine won't be well-reasoned. 
Uh, I mean, How do Brentford find their way <laughs> into the Champions League spots? <laughs> Somehow I fully switched in your eyes to no longer a Leicester City fan, just straight up Brentford. Yeah. Uh, I, I will agree with you. Uh, Man City have Aston Villa left? Yep. I think the threat of death from Pep will leave his players quaking. I think they're going to end up first, Liverpool second, Chelsea third. I like the painting that you guys are creating of Pep being a totalitarian taskmaster. Did you see him during the game? He yeah. literally had no emotion when they either missed the PK or when West Ham scored. It was blank slate or his eyes closed. And it was like, oh, he's going to kill them. <laughs> okay, continue. Uh, <laughs> you said City, Liverpool, Chelsea. Uh-huh. Tottenham. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Arsenal. Okay. West Ham. Leicester City. Definitely. How would Leicester City even make um, that cut? So they're going to retract some of Man okay. United's points. Okay. 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 So in <laughs> fantasy land, yes. City, yeah. Liverpool, Chelsea. In fantasy land, by the way, in your fantasy, you have Tottenham being fourth. This isn't my fantasy. Just it's just your prediction. <laughs> In your fantasy, you manage a hotel with Satan and you make $80,000 a year. <laughs> He's a good business partner. He makes all practical right. decisions. All right, all right. I think Fair West enough. Ham six, Man United seven. Okay. I think Leicester City and in eighth. I will offer my prediction then since you two are so obstinately for City. I think that given the narrative, it's it's too tempting for me to simply dismiss Steven Gerrard and his <laughs> boys led by the knight in shining armor, Philippe Coutinho, pulling out a tie against Manchester City in a 95th minute curler from outside the box <laughs> on a free kick. If this happens, I'm protesting because <laughs> this shit's just, it's all... It's all scripted. It's all scripted. It's all decided by the PGMOL and some people in dark rooms at, you know, Premier League headquarters. Six media execs meeting yeah. once every other year. Yeah, exactly. Deciding the fate of every single sports game around the world. And it's uh, it's going to be Liverpool first, okay? Okay. Squeaking by in the best season from a team to ever grace the TVs of soccer fans around the world, followed by Manchester City, followed by Chelsea, followed by Arsenal. I think Arsenal have it in them to win both games. I genuinely do. Tottenham will be fifth. I think Manchester United will hold out sixth, although I do want to see a Ronaldo playing in a Europa Conference League. <laughs> I think that'd be funny, but it, I don't think it'll happen. And I think West Ham will get a seventh, and they'll do fine in the Conference League next year. That's my that's my prediction. I hope it stands, but uh, it's it's really it really is the hope that kills you here. So yeah. it's I'm I am prepared for the consequences of this. Moving on, last bit. We'll give a quick five minutes for transfer season rumors that have popped up. Maddie, you've wanted to talk about this because we just haven't had the time to. But can we talk about Chelsea's new owners for a second? You want to give a quick rundown. I know who Todd Bowley is, Jacob, because I Googled him. Hey, Blair, do you want to give a quick rundown? How much money do you think every like rich business guy has to pay Google to put that he's a philanthropist in his sort of blurb description when you Google this name? $10 million. I mean, 
<laughs> at that point, I think philanthropy is such a misleading word. Yeah. Because that assumes certain intentions and values. Yeah. When in reality, that's that's not what's happening. Yeah, really, really. I get that's what you're doing, but that's not why you're doing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, Todd Bowley is an American businessman. Wow. Big business fellow. He's Big. the co-founder and chairman, chief, chief executive of Toys officer. Toys R Us. <laughs> Shut it down. <laughs> El, of Eldridge Industries, which is a holding company. Eldridge? Yeah. yeah, it's one of those companies that doesn't do anything, but has just inconceivable amounts of money, I guess. Hang on, are you saying Eldridge or Eldridge? El Eldridge. <laughs> okay, that makes more sense. That's not a... He is the interim CEO of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. Big movie guy. Shit. Um, yeah, so see Uncharted in theaters, folks. It'll help buy some, <laughs> help buy some Chelsea jerseys or whatever. Uncharted, a.k.a. Todd Bowley in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, he owns or is a co-owner of the L.A. Dodgers, which are one of the biggest financial powerhouses in the MLB. They're like one of the few that actually like makes a lot of money. I've heard tell that their parking lot alone in Los Angeles is worth $1 billion because of how much property it takes up in the city. And yeah, they have just a really sweet, sweet television deal with uh, the local broadcasting rights sold in Los Angeles. And so that is a well-oiled machine from the sounds of it. And the Dodgers do spend like they make a lot of money. I don't think it's oil, is it? <laughs> probably, probably not. Okay. <laughs> Out of the frying pan into the fire, I guess. Yeah. Here. I think this is a definitely though. These, this is a, this is a, a, deeper pool, if you will, to be swimming in than the MLB where you're really only competing with four moneyed interests and a bunch of guys who genuinely don't give a shit about the teams that they own from the sounds of it. So, and a more emotionally, I, I more emotionally turbulent league. I think yeah. MLB, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that the fans don't care. I'm saying that the, the results of a single game are much less, uh, from game to game, much less important. You go from 162 to 38. Yep. Games. Yep. <laughs> yep. There are other people involved in his consortium. Is mm -hmm. that the word? That's a good one. Uh, we've got fellow Dodgers co-owner Mark Walters, British businessman and in parentheses and Tottenham fan, Jonathan Goldstein. Mm. Come again. Jonathan Goldstein is at the root of it all. Tottenham. Swiss Tottenham. billionaire Hans-Jörg Weiss. Pretty cool name. I can lie about and it. And U.S. investment firm Clear Lake Capital. Well, see, okay, that straight up sounds like a dystopian <laughs> company that the protagonist is fighting against. Clearly, capital will have its way. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So anyway, uh, Todd Bowley is <laughs> <laughs> Todd Bowley is the new Chelsea owner. I, I I don't think the deal has taken place quite yet, but the the Chelsea now will have to do this whole identity crisis thing once again. I think it might be a bit more consistent and less splashy than Roman Abramovich was. I don't know if there will be, the owner will be quite as involved in the community as Roman Abramovich was. And I'm not sure who or what Chelsea go to after this, because there are several key players on the out and out. More players will need to be signed. Another fantastic transfer season to sit by and eat popcorn as you watch with, with Chelsea. Yeah. I think he, I think like the Dodgers are, like a pretty, pretty well known for like being a pretty like well run organization, like all things considered, Yep. you know, they take like the data analytics approach. Obviously everybody knows about Moneyball taking over baseball. So like, you know, 
do with that what you will. I think, you know, he wants his organizations to be like efficient, but they're also very rich and, and yeah. you know, have good incomes. So it depends on what I think Chelsea's previous strategy of the loan army is more of a bygone thing. And we'll see whether or not they do the quote unquote data driven analytics yeah. that uh, everyone is advertising these days. I think it's going to be really fascinating to you to see the reporting whenever it finally comes out about how this transaction actually took place. Where did the money actually go? Did it, is it actually sitting in Roman Abramovich's bank account right now? Or is it just sitting somewhere in the ether until all the, the war, until the war ends? Can I you guess, even or, pay him? Because his assets are... I don't know. That's the whole. The, there's so many questions about like how this transaction can actually be facilitated. Three schmucks from Crown Heights have the answers. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I have a Class Five clearance from the DOD, and I have answers to all this. Okay. Antonio Rudiger <laughs> is uh, rumored to be going to Real Madrid. It's not. It's it's gone. It's done. Dotted line sign. Yeah, oh, like he is four, going to Real Madrid. Four-year deal or something. He's, yeah, it's he's going to he's he's gone. He's going to Madrid next summer. Um, I think Marcus Alonso is leaving. There has been strong rumors of Ivan Perisic going to Chelsea from Inter. A la whoever comes up with this stuff. Good move or bad move for Madrid? Uh, for Antonio Rüdiger, great move. I think that between David Alba and Antonio Rüdiger, they'll have a hell of a backline plus uh, Eder Milis Howe as a even a three back or a tertiary center back for, you know, resting reasons is just great moves, great moves. Uh, he's a bit older, but that's just kind of Madrid style. Um, I don't know. They, they've just, they, I mean, they're in a champions league final this year. You know, how bad can they be doing? Uh, yes or no. Is Rudiger a back three merchant? <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. All right. So it's going to go well, but he is a back three merchant. So we'll see how that works out. <laughs> it's going to go well. I think he'll be fine because Madrid only, they don't really, there's no, in terms of the media and the Spanish media, there's no actual logical analysis. It's just the feeling of the moment. So if Rudiger feels strong, that's, that's going to be it. If he, if he fights people, it's going to be good. You know, I think it's a lot of, it's a, it's a lot less, um, logically driven. I feel like this is insulting. I'm going to This try. is the rhythm of the night. Oh, or or yeah. it could it could cuz the last player that went to Real Madrid from Chelsea <laughs> didn't work out quite as well. <laughs> Reunited and it feels so good. Yeah, yeah. I I've I've seen articles coming out saying that Eden Hazard's going to fight for his place and show his his quality at Real Madrid uh, next season. Yeah, so. in parentheses X3. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. it's like his third time doing this. So it's going to be fun. Uh, let's see who else. Marcus Alonso, gone. Cesar Espilicueta, gone. They're going to have a. T- Andres Christensen, gone. I think that's been pretty heavily rumored. Yeah. If not okay, to you two Americans, where would Christian Pulisic go? <sighs> okay, call me crazy, Jacob. You're crazy. What if Serge Gnabry does not resign with Bayern? <sighs> strong breeze in here I do you think don't. christian erickson goes to bayern mm. oh wait did we say christian erickson no, christian? i mean christian pulisic sorry can you I'm sorry, i can't get him on my brain <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i don't think so okay i don't think he's good enough for bayern yeah yeah but if that was Serge my like... Gnabry and the banker leave <laughs> well 
Okay, now let me let's think. They have Kingsley Coman, winger. Now, Pulisic occupies he's he's occupied this weird weird space in Chelsea where he's either like twin ten midfielder. He's he's played a wingback and he's played as a false nine. Not any of those are his true position. Yeah. So it's it's he's in a weird he's a, he's a square in a round hole right now, and it's kind of different. But I think he's he's learning because he's still young, so I think he can still like evolve into something else. But if you take Sergi Nabry out, because Bayern play this four two three one that um, is pretty popular, and Nabry and Zane and Coman. Those three are absolutely world-class wingers that are just kind of faltering under Julian Nagelsmann, and I think they'll sign a striker for sure this summer. I don't think Serge Gnabry will leave. I was thinking somewhere like Crystal Palace. I think that he could go to a big club. I just I would rather see him go to a small club and play all the time. Yes. No matter what. Yeah, I agree. Maybe somewhere less physical because he's a, he's a delicate boy. He's a bit delicate. Hopefully he grows out of that. I agree. I mean, I kind of feel like somewhere outside the Prem is what I would prefer personally, but where that is... Get him to Italy. Get him some sun. Yeah, like Italy. That that would be great. He grew up in Pennsylvania. Ugh. Yeah. It's a heartbreak. <laughs> Just some final notes. Philip Coutinho finalizes his deal to stay at Aston Villa, 20 million pounds. Great. Good for you. That's good value. Yes. I, I think that's a really nice signing. Um, gets him off of Barcelona's books. A rare, decent move made by Barcelona that <laughs> they're still trying to sort out their finances. Finally, Rob Edwards is appointed as the future Watford coach at the beginning of next season. Former... Wolves youth player, uh, league one or two manager, had some success there. I read his Wikipedia page. I won't pretend to know who he was before I saw it. Um, he seems like a smart signing by Watford. Hopefully they'll use that to leverage their way back out of the championship next season. He sounds like a guy you just hit randomize on a create a manager on FIFA, and that's Rob Edwards. There from, you go. Yeah. Yes, let's insult him. Sorry, Rob. It's, it's Bobby. <laughs> uh, any- Bobby for short <laughs> anything to close from you guys let's go Bucks oh shit they're playing right now no yeah, they're playing in 8 minutes, eight minutes. Hey, you got, we got we it on time it. we did it Maddie anything you can find us on Twitter at the Plastics Pod. You can find us on Instagram at Plastics Podcast. You can find us on email if you want to at plasticspodcontact@gmail.com. We're on TikTok, the Plastics Podcast. Hot content every week. So many reels, so many yeah, videos, so if, many hot takes. If you want to send us money so we can buy an air conditioner for the studio, oh my god, that's not loud. We need a, We would need a quiet air if, conditioner. If you're smarty pants and want to develop a new air conditioner that's both that's, not loud and also creates nice cold air for us, and, please do. Yeah. Yes. At a cut rate price. Um, should we do this, guys? I mean, we got to shout out our, our interview with Calcio with Julian coming out yeah. as some bonus content this <clears throat> week. We did cool bonus content this week with blogger, esteemed journalist, all around Syria enthusiast, Inter's number one fan. Calcio with Julian. He is a interfan that hails from Montreal, Canada, and he is studying finance right now in college. And he runs a blog that I believe we should have followed months ago, but we just followed him, I think, yesterday while we were talking to him. And we <laughs> talked to him about the happenings in Syria, all the big teams, the state of them. Uh, obviously the state of inter and it was a pretty fun interview you should check it out when we release it which will be later this week 
Yep. Thanks for coming on, Julian. King Julian. So go follow that, his Instagram. It's Calcio with Julian. Follow Julian our Instagram. Uh, like, follow, subscribe to the podcast. It helps us get uh, listeners. It helps us get seen. And that's all we want. We just want to be seen. No, we don't. We want you. We love you. Choose me. Love Pick me. me. <laughs> yeah. I've uh, infiltrated their minds with okay. Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> um, listen, outro's been going on for a while. Let's, yeah, let's get out of here. Uh, Have a great afternoon. Stevie, if you're listening to this. <laughs> Cheers. Right, one, one more time, man. <laughs>